Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching us live, thank you for popping on. We love those live questions that come in during the show uh, on both Facebook and YouTube. This week's guest is amazing, and I'm really excited to talk all things motherhood with Kanika Chattagupta. She is the host of the top-rated podcast, That's Total Mom Sense. She is a wife, a mom of three, including twins, a journalist and an entrepreneur. She is a born storyteller who used to work at CNN as both an anchor and an executive producer. And now you can find her in all of the digital spaces, doing all things with her podcast and interviewing some pretty heavy hitting names, including Bobby Brown, Rebecca Minkoff on her show. That's total mom sense. Let's bring Kanika on right now to talk all things, her motherhood journey. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sunny. My pleasure. Your um, CV, your curricula vitae is quite long, and you have an incredible background in journalism, which I kind of want to dig into right off the bat, because I had a similar transition out of an older format sort of media into all this crazy world of digital stuff right now. So tell us about what working at CNN and at that level of media was like. Yes, absolutely. So I was stationed in India, and that's, you know, where I was born. And though I grew up in the States, my parents immigrated from India to just outside DC when I was two. And um, it's it's funny how life comes full circle. I ended up moving back to India um, in adulthood. And where I was stationed, the network was only around for four years. Um, so it was a burgeoning market. And I felt it was such a culturally immersive experience for me. And so I really got to get my hands in um, and, and, you know, kind of took on responsibilities at the onset. So not only was I an executive producer, I was a correspondent and within six months became an anchor. And I, I pretty much lived at the newsroom. Um, and I covered some really milestone events um, that I, I feel really fortunate for. So um, the 2611 terror attacks happened around that time. This was um, in 09. And that was, you know, a moment in time where we were all kind of holed up in the newsroom and had to cover this crisis that spanned uh, three days. And so that was something that I, I covered and I interviewed survivors. And then um, Slumdog Millionaire won the Oscars. And that was just a win for the entire country. I think we all were just so elated that, you know, this film, um, this iconic film that Danny Boyle made put India on the map and in its most raw and truest form. So um, I actually did a day in the life um, kind of uh, through the slums with the leading child actress who was cast from the biggest slum in Asia, Dervi. And it was just a gut-wrenching yet heartwarming Cinderella story. So just so many different things that I got to cover out there. Oh gosh. So my best friend from college is Indian from India. And I'm one of my greatest regrets in life to this day is, and of course I'm learning all about the culture through her and all of these things that I 
wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to because we're just for some reason in America we we just don't hear much about what's happening in <laughs> India. So I have this best friend who's Indian. I'm asking her all the questions and all the things. I was invited to her sister's wedding and I wasn't able to go because I was a cash strapped journalist, a 23 year old. Like I had like twenty five dollars left over in my bank account, yes. every week and I was like, I can't. But to hear like the tradition of the weddings and the beautiful culture that that country has, I'm so regretful that I wasn't able to be there and see that in person. Yes, a- yes, you must go. I mean, you know, when the world opens up, like it should be on your bucket list. It's yeah. I wanted to ask you too. This is kind of taking a left turn, and and I just thought of this, and I wonder. If you can bring some perspective to the disparity of the classes in India, this is something that I was completely ignorant to as an American, where even though people experience life on a spectrum of um, having and having not, it didn't seem as as great as the disparity in India. And what's happening in that country that we just we aren't aware of. You mentioned the slums and how that movie cast a girl from one of those actual neighborhoods. Um, The definition of... um, have not in India is vastly different from America, is it not? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about a country that has a billion people and to have that level of overpopulation is already um, kind of overwhelming to see. But yeah, I, I think it's it's um, heartbreaking. It's something that I I had thrown in my face as a child. And I feel like it was, there were so many learning lessons there. Um, but the richest, richest of the rich can live in India, as well as the poorest of the poor. And there's that level of abject poverty. Um, but yeah, it's the slum communities have formed because together when they kind of amass um, their whatever wealth they can, they, they've built these communities and, you know, cook food together in these large cauldrons. And then they have these shanties that are lined up in a row with these alleyways and the the children grow up together. It's truly this village um, that they've created. But yeah, that's that's the one um, dichotomy in that country that I think it just hits you the hardest is, uh, you know, just that that disparity in economic class. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I totally took that in a news direction, but it did fascinate me, especially when news of the Delta variant emerging in India came yes. out and people in close quarters were spreading it rapidly. I mean, we are so isolated in America from the reality of existence in pretty much every other country. I do think that's changing, fortunately. Yes. But, um, you know, it's just w- when you when you speak to someone who's grown up, you know, in a place that's that's just different. I know it's a it's a functioning democracy. And I always would say to my friend, oh, it's like, and a democracy like America. And she's like, yeah, but it's like a different kind of, you know, because this is what we learn, right, in our textbooks. So anyway, it fascinates me. It just is a beautiful country. And I would love to learn so much more about its people and and where they're headed next, because to have an ally in democracy, were it to be a power, it seems like it could potentially be such a powerful union of two great countries. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, I still remember when I was a kid um, and I'd, I'd vacation there every summer to visit my grandmother, I would see these young kids who looked exactly like me. And I would just ask, you know, how come they live on the street? How come they have nothing? How come they're begging and standing outside our cars? And I think that's something that if we can teach our children 
children early on, um, what it means to to have what we have and how grateful we should be for that. It's it's so pivotal. So um, every summer I would volunteer at an orphanage there and um, actually make food at home with my grandmother and, and take it to the children and see just their faces light up. So, you know, and especially around this time of year, I think it's so important to focus on how we can give back. And, you know, when you think of countries that have that sort of dynamic and, you know, are developing nations um, even more so. So I, I wonder, too, what you think of the current political status in America. We are getting a bad rap um, from people like me, you know, my generation who was born here, um, whereas it seems to me the perspective might be different speaking to an immigrant family who came from a country with a completely differently functioning system. Um, when you hear how how we fight and how the political parties target each other and how even, you know, normal people like us fight with those we love over politics and the divide seems so deep. Is it as bad in America from that still outside? I know you're not outside anymore, but having yeah. the benefit of that perspective, do you look at us and you're like, just get your shit together? You know, like, <laughs> what do you think when you see the way things are going in this country, a country that so many people have flocked to? Yes, I do. I do. I think we're so privileged to be here. And I mean, India is a very kind of complex uh, political system and it's um, there's it's fractional. There's so many different parties. And so you still get that level of, um, you know, polarizing topics and, and, and politics involved in families in India. But here I feel like it's a true meritocracy. There's no, like, I guess uh, there's definitely a dearth of corruption and nepotism and, you know, um, and, and the greed and the just the way that a country like India kind of sadly has happening. Mm -hmm. And and we have to just be thankful for that. You know, you you can advance in the ranks and climb up a ladder based on your merit here. Yeah. Um, and that's and there's laws in place and, you know, there's certain regulations in place that allow that to happen. Sure, there's a lot of change that needs to be made. There's no system that's without its flaws. But this is so much better. <laughs> than, yeah. Than where yeah. Came from. You know, I'm just close enough to the immigrant side of my family just as grandparents who came here to have heard why they came here and what they came here for. So that when I hear people complaining about it, I feel that immigrant mentality kind of get a little feisty with them because I'm like, well, where precisely do you want to go that's so much better? And by all means, yes. we have open borders. Go ahead. You know? Exactly. So I exactly. mean, I, yeah, I'm just curious from like a more immediate perspective because we're in such a unique time in our country where it's the cool thing to do to say, well, America sucks. And we do right. have a lot that we have to work on systemic issues. Yes. But um, I was just curious to get your thoughts on that because it kind of gets my goat sometimes, you know? It does. Yes. I'm glad it does. I'm glad it does. I'm glad you have your eyes and ears open and think that way because we're really, really lucky to be here. And, um, and I, I mean, I thank my parents all the time for, you know, uprooting their lives and making the choice to move to America. Because um, my sister and I would not have been afforded the opportunities we've had if we weren't here. Yeah. Okay. We're going to put our flags down now and start. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Sorry. I just had to ask, you know, I took a little bit of a different turn. But so glad you did. I mean, you're a true journalist and I love that you asked me those hard questions because um, so many times the interviews just kind of go into just all fluff and like, 
let's go there. I, you let's know, this is there. what we got to talk. We got to talk. We got to talk, <laughs> sister. And listen, we bring the benefit of our unique perspectives to our conversations and uh, new places we move to and countries. I mean, I just, that to me is the beauty is seeing, okay, where did you come from? Why you, why do you think the way you think and how are you influenced? And we, yes. we, we need more conversation, I feel like these days, you know? Yes. Um, okay. Let's switch the conversation then to your show. That's Total Mom Sense, which by the way, love the branding, love the website, love the concept behind it. You interview um, parents, mostly moms, who are just making it work. And anyone who has a child knows just making it work, like getting through a day is really hard. So <laughs> I love that you are talking to women of all ages and experiences that are giving their like sort of secret sauce to how they got through it. Tell us the genesis of That's Total Mom Sense and how you came up with the idea, the concept for the podcast. Sure. I think like every, you know, entrepreneur or startup or, you know, creative thinker, it, it's born from a problem. And so when I had my three kids in one full swoop, I had twins. And when they were just nine months old and, you know, for moms out there, you know, they're still getting swaddled, they're crawling, not standing at that point. And at that time I got pregnant with my third. So oh. I didn't even I didn't mean to make beat. that out loud, but that's hard. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I was like, okay, here we go again. And, and I was scrambling for answers and I didn't have the energy nor the interest to read all the books out there. And, you know, I, I feel like it's almost like a misnomer when people say there's no rule book on parenting. Yes. Agreed. But now there's also like a hundred different philosophies on parenting. Are you a conscious parent? Are you a positive parent? Are you, what kind of parent are helicopter parent? What kind of parent are you? And I think that, you know, me being inundated by that, I was like, oh my goodness, I, I, I need to simplify this. So I started listening to podcasts and I felt like in this particular mom space, um, there was, it was bereft of a show that um, I have three pillars is engaging, informative, and inclusive. And that's what I set out to build with that total mom sense. I wanted to kind of take up this white space and using my, you know, journalistic ability, ask the hard questions, bring on, you know, thought leaders and experts. And sure, we can dive into, um, you know, more of child psychology and, and find out why, you know, two-year-olds throw the tantrums that they do. Why is it called terrible twos? So I can bring on those experts, but then I can also have those who are entrepreneurs or CEOs or celebrities that we look up to share their story. Because at the end of the day, there's so many of us who are doing this parenting thing. And I think we can all learn and kind of glean perspectives from one another. Is there one common thread of survival, how people got through those, especially early crazy years that you noticed, or is there some piece of advice that really stuck out to you? Yes, I would say, I mean, one is uh, the quote that I'm, I'm sure you know, is uh, the, uh, the days are long, but the years are short. So that is just like an adage that I live by. I, I completely agree. And um, not that my kids are that much older. My twins are four. My younger one's three. But I feel like we've come a long way. I remember when the three of them were waddling around in diapers and, you know, we were bottle feeding all of them. I was like, okay, you know, we we're out of that phase now. And they're you know, able to like write their names and express their opinions. And I'm like, who are these little people? So, <laughs> and that, and that just happens in a matter of years. I, I almost say like, it's like dog years. 
so much happens <laughs> from zero to five in it's one true. year it's like four so it's, it's just like le leaps and, <laughs> and you age appropriately every year as yeah. you i'm like more about <laughs> that too. this time yeah that's crazy yeah that's crazy. too um, in all of the experts that you've interviewed, you brought up um, a couple of sort of methodologies of parenting. Conscious parenting was one that kind of stuck out that I guess if I had to define my the way that I try to parent or aspire to parent, it would fall under that category. But I'm curious if there was a, a moment for you as you're raising your kids where you tried a technique or you tried something that you had read about or interviewed someone about and it just failed miserably or, or if it worked and what was it? Because please tell me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So I have two scenarios for you. Um, one is by Robin Ward. She is the CEO of Founder Forward and, um, and she's just like an incredible tech um, innovator and, you know, a mentor. Um, and so she told me that parenting is leadership. And we did our entire episode about that. And she said, think about it. If you are the CEO of your household, you need to get your employees, AKA your kids buy-in. And so you just kind of barking orders and telling them what to do all the time might not leave them feeling inspired or, you know, at least getting you to do what they want, they, what you want them to do. So I, I thought that was really interesting to, to think about how you should kind of allow them to express their opinions, let them pull up a seat, you know, at mm -hmm. the table and, you know, whatever it may be, if it's, it's something that you're kind of negotiating, like, you know, this is what's for dinner. And if that's not what they want to eat, why not? What would you like to eat? Like, you know, just hear, hear their perspective. I thought that was really interesting. Give them that um, sense of autonomy, even though they're just kids. Yeah. And, and another um, kind of uh philosophy that I, I loved hearing about. Um, there's two different guests who talked about it. So one is um, Saran Rothberg. She is the founder of Comedy Cures. And she, you know, got out of a breast cancer journey when she was a single mom. And comedy is truly what cured her and which is why she started her nonprofit. And she said, if you can just bring the laughter into the stressful moments, it just diffuses everything. So that's mm -hmm. one. And then um, another guest, Nina Meehan, um, believes in creative parenting. So same thing, bringing the theatrics into something that could be otherwise stressful. So um, back to the uh, you know eating scenario and you're trying to get your, your kids to eat what you made for dinner, you could even like break out into song. Kids don't, when you're just talking to kids, Oftentimes it's like a Charlie Brown, like wah, 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 wah. We don't even know what mom's saying. But if you're like, would you like peas or would you like spaghetti? And you just like break out into song and throw them off. All of a sudden you have their attention. and Their guard is down. Yeah. And, and, and that's when you mom. throw the carrot into their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just have fun with it. Um, because otherwise we, we're just like, you know, a neurotic hot mess. Not yeah. that I haven't been there, but... I, I think just being a podcast host has allowed me to like just take in all these different perspectives and opinions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm trying that. I'm going to try that. That's tonight. awesome. Yeah. You've interviewed some pretty incredible people. I mean, I mentioned at the top of the show, Rebecca Minkoff, Bobby Brown. Um, I don't know how to say her name, but she's the founder of Nyakio Cosmetics. Oh, Nikeo. Um, yes. Nikeo. Yes. I love those products. And she's doing big um, things with her um, brand 13 Loon where it's... Um, 
it's uh, really just kind of empowering um, black and minority owned businesses in beauty. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, beauty is our other big vertical here on the show. We talk all things skincare and beauty. So I did know, you know, I recognize that name and the branding and things. Um, yeah. So reaffirm this for me. Even these well-known, exceptionally successful women also who, who are mothers get really stressed out and just want to run out of the house, right? Just like us. The celebrities, they're just like us, like Bobby Brown. <laughs> Did she share any moments from raising her now grown children or now older children that really resonated or that you remembered? Oh, yes, yes. So, I mean, just credit to her. She, when she was building Bobby Brown Cosmetics, the empire that she built um, as this beauty titan, she um, was actually the PTA president to her three sons. So, what? yeah, so that's, she made time for that. And I think that's just, you know, inspiring in itself that like there's certain non-negotiables that we have. And even if you're um, working on building your company or empire or whatever it may be, you still decide where you're going to show up. And she shared this uh, anecdote with me. So um, one of her kids had to do a project and um, he needed googly eyes. And so, you know, after like a full day of meetings and dinner, she's just running around town, um, going to Michael's looking for googly eyes. And <laughs> she didn't make it to the store on time. The doors were locked, um, lights off. And she just kind of head in hands was crying in her car and was like, shit, I didn't get what he needed for his project. And then within seconds, she was like, wait a minute. I mean, I, I can just text or, or call any of the friends that I have um, and moms that, you know, have kids in his class and, and get it together. So she did that. And so many parents came to her house and Aww. dropped off all the googly eyes they had. Now, the kicker is, so he finishes the project and, you know, they stay up late to do it. And then the next day turns it in. And, you know, she, she was like, so how did it go? How did your, how did your teacher like your project? And he was like, we had a sub. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that was God being like, get it together better. Next yes, time. yes. Oh, that's so funny. That is the ultimate. I mean, you talked about laughter. Parenthood, raising a human will make you just the most free flown bitch in the world. <laughs> like you just, you got to laugh at that. I, I'm sure she I just know, yeah. Oh yeah, irony. she's laughing her ass up. It was so, it was so funny. It was just like, this is what it does. It, you're humbled all the time. Yeah, I always, yes. It's it's like, I try not to be the person who gives like, I don't call it depressing advice, but like when, when people I know are having babies for the first time and we talk about like, oh, what do you wish you knew? I'm like, you're just, out of control. Like you're just not being in control of anything. Like that's my advice. <laughs> like toughen up sister and just like right. roll with it because you're going to be like, you know, dodging obstacles daily, whether it's when they're young, you know, and you're trying to get them to nap and you don't understand why you're the only baby in the world who won't fall asleep or when they're older. I mean, like, it's just a continuing, like letting go of your expectations in the most beautiful way possible. Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And when you look at your kids, sure, they're growing, but then the growth that we go through, 
I mean, I'm a completely different person than I used to be. Yeah. Tell us how, because you did, you know, you did come from, like we discussed earlier in the show, a background where deadlines were vital and following the rules was, I mean, you came from a very structured, organized world working in, in media and with CNN. So how do you look at what your experience was like as that woman and where you are now and what have you learned? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm definitely more patient and go with the flow and, you know, there's balls in the air and you just teach yourself to juggle. It's just, it's like how you have to be. Um, but I think I'm, I'm definitely more uh, innovative when it comes to my job. I felt like TV was the be all and end all for me. Um, and when we were family planning, I thought, you know, I don't know if this is sustainable. I don't know if I can keep up with this kind of demanding schedule if we want to have kids. And lo and behold, I, I had twins. So there was definitely no way. There's your sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I started a consulting agency um, a year before I had them. And then after I had my third, so that was just a year and a half span, is when I started the podcast. And I thought, this is going to be my pivot. If I am truly a journalist and a media professional and my passion is storytelling, I just have to change the medium. Mm -hmm. I don't have to use television. And now podcasting is what's really resonating with my audience, who's so busy. You get it. I mean, we, we are constantly multitasking. So how do we consume content now? It's in our ears while we're in the car or while we're doing a load of laundry or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's, what's so um, eye-opening. And I would have never thought that had I not had my kids. Um, and, you know, it's like, I can reinvent what my job is. It's really cool. So what advice do you give to women who are, and, and, you know, acknowledging that everybody is in a different situation when it comes to finances or their, or their ability to pivot, is there any sort of basic advice you give to someone who is on the precipice of motherhood or, you know, massively changing their, their life, maybe marrying someone who has kids, they're gonna be a stepmom. Like what advice do you give them when it comes to deciding to either keep the job, to find a way to make it work, to hire the perfect people to help you or to step aside as we did and transform into something else? Like, what do you tell them to find what is best for them? Mm, I mean, you do have to do a lot of kind of analysis and see what are the hours you can allocate to this job of yours? Do you have some capital to start out with? Do you have a cushion? I think that's important. So if your spouse can help you get started or, you know, manage that for a little bit, then you, you have something to kind of um, like a springboard to start from. I think that's important um, because you have to be practical. And if you need to keep the part-time job and make your passion into a side hustle, do that, do that. And so, um, yeah, I think just assess what your finances are and, and kind of play it that way. And then as you see your side hustle or your pet project or whatever you want to call it um, grow, then invest your time into that and know mm -hmm. that once you are, I feel like if you um, are so streamlined and clear that I want this, my baby to take off, then it will, then, you know, and you have to make sure that you're pouring your heart and soul into it and, you know, have that level of work ethic and um, then the returns will come. Can we do a little lightning round when it comes to parenting and motherhood? Yes. Let's okay. Do it. Okay. So what is one thing about motherhood that surprised you the most? Oh my goodness. Um, 
time. I feel like not having as much time or sleep. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you, you never really get used to that, by the way. No, <laughs> no, no, they're older now and I'm still not sleeping as much as I want. What about a product or a book or a tip that in the early days, let's say newborn in infant stage, just saved your life? Hmm. Um, do, 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 do. I mean, for my twins, I loved the twinsy pillow. Oh, it's, what's that? Yeah, it's a it's a pillow that um, wraps around you, and it it's like it's like a boppy, but for two. Oh and um, that sounds and, really complicated to use. Yeah, <laughs> it was really comfortable, and um, and then I loved my um, my stroller. It was it's the City Select jogger, baby jogger. Mm-hmm. Um, we used that forever, and then for my third, because it had, you know, you could have the two toddler seats, you know one in front of the other. Um, I was able to get into doorways and stuff like that. And then I just was able to convert it into a single stroller. So if you have multiples, it has a lot of, um, you know, it has that like uh, lifetime use. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I will say that is the investment that makes the biggest difference. The stroller, like the ability to like break it down easily. Like you said, the space you need, like spend time on the stroller. Yes. Um, Yes. What about advice for multiples parents? Like, I'm sure that was kind of a shock to find out you were having twins. Walk us through the basic advice you give to the person who's going to be bringing more than one baby home from the hospital. Sure. Sure. I would say, I mean, there's, there's so many like misnomers. I think that a lot of times you think you need to buy double the amount of stuff and you have to have double the amount of toys. And I had boy girl twins. So it was like, I got, I have to have pink stuff. I have to have blue stuff. And I, I didn't do that at all. I was like, you know, I mean, for some things, but uh, for the most part, I was like, we're just going to go with gray or yellow. And, you know, I'm going to buy one of this toy and they're going to share. And I think, you know, being from, um, having lived in New York, I've just become such an inherent minimalist that I just don't want (laughs) want that clutter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you don't need to do, you don't need to purchase two of everything. Um, and then another piece of advice is to really celebrate their distinct personalities. Oftentimes, um, because you have this parallel kind of person to consider, you're like, oh, this one is doing this first before the other. And they're still very, um, you know, distinct human beings. And they're going to have their own milestones and their own personalities and their own timeline. And so, you know, I encourage parents not to compare Mm -hmm. um, and celebrate what each of their, their strengths are. Yeah. What about some napping hacks? I know we just spent a big chunk of time saying, oh, don't read any parenting books, but there have to be some, when you're trying to get two babies to sleep at once, what are some tips or hacks that really worked for you? Yes. um, Well, you have to get them on a schedule from day one. So when they were like, you know, tiny, just days old, I did have a baby nurse help us. And she made sure that they were on this like very regimented schedule. It was in an Excel sheet that I followed. And so I knew when I was breastfeeding or pumping or they were napping or bath time, it was just very cut and dry. And I didn't think I was going to be that parent. But with twins, you do not want to do things back to back. Can you imagine if it was like one's napping for two hours, then gets up and then the other one's napping for two no, hours? No, no, it is. No, no, that's no, no. horrifying. I just yeah, got the chills. Yeah, you you can't, exactly. You just can't. You, you, it's just humanly impossible. So 
what you want to do is make sure that they're just synced up and you can do things where they're doing it simultaneously. So if I was nursing one, and there, there was a point where I was nursing both at the same time up until they were like three or four months with that twinsy pillow. Um, it was like a freak show. <laughs> just like, okay, everybody's just uh, with mom right now. Um, but then once they got too, um, too big for that, I you know would have my husband or um, nanny or mother-in-law or sister or whoever um, feed the other one while I was feeding one and so that way it's like okay this is feeding time and then we're gonna put them down and you know we had white noise and you know just those kind of hacks I think are, are so important actually this um, reminds me of this time where I was out shopping with them and there was a mom um, who had um, a child in you know in a bassinet um, stroller and was that the child was wailing, like wailing in the store. And I just felt for her. And so what I um, did was, if you just go onto YouTube and type in white noise or colic white noise, you get this shh sound. So you don't need to buy a shusher. Mm -hmm. um, it's right on YouTube. And so I put that on, put it near the baby's um, ear instantly. It was like a like no crying, like it just, it turned off, you know, and it was amazing to see. So like things like that, when you're out, you know, even your phone can, can help you out and that gets them to sleep and calm down. So yeah, oh, yeah. I've learned a lot of tricks. Yeah. I have the white noise, the free white noise app. And in fact, I use it to this day and my youngest is four. So yes, white noise for the win. Yeah. And then I always like to ask this too. I told you we talk a lot of beauty on this podcast. You are a woman who is busy in, in I'm sure every day, every hour of every day. So tell us your quick get ready routine. Are there any products that you swear by that help you get out the door quickly that you stash in your car to do a quick face? Like give us some details. Yes. Yes. I'm not one to contour and spend like an hour on my face. I just, I don't, I'm not in like, I guess, aware of makeup artistry in that way. <laughs> I'm just like quick one and done. So I, um, I love Wander Beauty. And um, yes, yeah. And Divya Gugnani, um, the CEO and founder is a co-founder is a friend. And I, I just love how that she simplified makeup um, for women on the go. And so many of the products um, have a dual capability. So if there's lipstick, flip it around, there's a lip liner on the other side. If there's a um, foundation wine, a wand, flip it around, there's concealer on the other side. So you just have more real estate in your makeup bag that you can throw into your tote when you're on the go. Um, love them. Another line I love is Luvania. It is um, clean, you know, vegan, hypoallergenic, um, all that, all that stuff phthalate and paraben free. Um, and the founder is also a friend. Her name is Dr. Alpa Patel. She was a pediatrician turned um, skincare founder. And I used her line um, to specifically target some eczema that I, I got just, it was uh, earlier this year in the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, what can I use that's all natural on this? And um, she has this exfoliating um, serum that got rid of it. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I love that. And then lastly, I really like Shawnee Darden's products. Um, and she has this retinol reform. And I've listened to your show many times. And I know we just 
this tribe of ours swears by it's good <laughs> it's a good product yes, yes. oh my god you have to so yes. yeah I, yeah that's a must every night i'm using my retinol reform oh i love to hear it um yeah by the way the wander beauty foundation have you used their found it's like in a tube but, yes oh my god. So yeah. good. It's so good. And even I can even use it for my big dark circles yep. as a concealer. Yep, exactly. The wand just allows you to just apply it wherever and dab if you need to. You don't have to like, you know, pour a whole glass jar out. And awesome. um even their mascara comes in a tube so that when you're traveling, it's lightweight and you can really get in there. There's never like any left. You know? Yes. <laughs> we could squeeze all of it out. Huge yeah. fan. Okay. <laughs> tell us quickly before we go, what's next for That's Total Mom Sense, how your show is evolving, what's changing, any cool projects coming up? Like what can we expect from you next? Yes. Well, I want to take That's Total Mom Sense um, into an over-the-top platform. So I'm working with my team on that. So it'll be so much more than a podcast experience. And I'm working on a book that is an anthology. And that's also going to be kind of um, the crux of it is that's what a mom says. Oh, I love it. Well, you're doing great work, Hanukkah. I'm so grateful you spent a little time with us this morning. So, well, this afternoon. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Sunny. Anytime. I appreciate it. All right, guys. <laughs> and thank you for watching and or listening. We really appreciate it. All of the products that Kanika mentioned, I will put in show notes so you guys can check them out. And that's it. If you haven't done this, I am begging you. This is me begging you. Please leave a rating and review. That helps to get this show out to people who might find it interesting or helpful in some way. And we'd be really grateful. That's like a Christmas present to us. Um, thank you guys so much again for listening. Tune in next week for more goodness here on We Gotta Talk. We'll see you soon.